Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We got a very volatile crowd. I may do some sort of championship dance tonight. It may have a little shake. You don't like the shake? What about like a kick? May have a little kick? Everybody's having fun tonight. So no, no kick either. No, I, I got it, I got it. How about a little heel turn? <laughs> you worse. see, that's the excitement that I'm talking about. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us here on a brand new podcast venture done by Coldholic Wrestling. Welcome to the very first episode of The Motion. I am your convener, Mitch Wadden, editor-in-chief of Coldholic.com. What is The Motion? Well, it all comes from the fact that I, I love a good row. I love a good argument. I love a good debate. And so I thought, what better way than to combine my love of professional wrestling and having an argument than by hosting a podcast in which I encourage two of Cultaholic's most lovely, lovely people to frantically, angrily, heatedly argue about something from wrestling history. Now, it was Aristotle who is credited as saying, it is the mark of an educated mind to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I say credited because Aristotle didn't actually say that. It's not true. It's all part of a longer thing that he said. But I quite like that, so we're not going to let something like the truth get in the way of a good quote. I love the sentiment and I'd like to think for our debut episode of The Motion by Coldholic Wrestling. I've got two of Coldholic's most educated minds and genuinely lovely people. So without further ado, please welcome to the show Mr. Jack King and Mr. Andrew Hodgkinson. Gentlemen, how are you? Oh, just so excited. So excited. The problem is, right, Mitch, I've worked this out straight away. Andrew's really, really low-key clever. And even me saying that is going to make him go, no, don't be silly, Jack, don't be silly. But actually, 
inside of him beats the heart of a fierce competitor, despite his lovely exterior. So I'm quite concerned how this is going to go for me. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Andrew, how are you doing? You all right? Uh, I'm good, thank you, Jack. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big arguer. I'd, I'd like to stay on the side and just try and be as as, as pacifist as possible. Oh, but... just as I predicted, you'd say. But well, okay, yeah, so... I know you did. I know you did as well. But, <laughs> but you know what? If we get to talk about wrestling, if we get to swirl some ideas around, Jack, I'm uh, I'm very excited. Oh, I'm very excited don't for it. Give the purest answer. As, oh, long as, on, as long as as long as debate is the winner, not one of us. As long yeah, as the art of true. debate is the winner. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Wrestling is the real winner here. The concept of yes. debating is going to <laughs> yes. win. Oh my. Jack, Jack, are you a, are you a, a combative person or would you describe yourself as passive? Um, I think that I think that I'm I'm all right, you know. Um, I think my general strategy and arguments is to go all guns blazing, realize that I'm wrong and then swiftly retreat. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's generally what I do. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Are you looking forward to it, Mitch? I imagine you're very excited. I'm so buzzing. I'm on uh, coffee number four, oh. I think it is. So I'm I'm going to be ecstatic probably for about the first half of this, and then you'll see me gradually <laughs> crash as the show goes on. Now I, I did a little bit of research, you know, to start this first show. I thought we'd you know highlight our first two guests. Jack, did you know that you share your name with the person who was NASA's voice of Apollo? No, <laughs> no that's fantastic! Wow. No, I had no clue. I only know about the um, the former Preston City footballer. But apart from that, no, I had no idea. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, the, the bloke that did the countdown for Apollo 11 that landed on the moon in, in 69, same name as you, that's mate. That's fantastic. Andrew, you have the same name as an American Christian rock singer whose best hit came out six years yes. ago. Yes! Wow. You lucky what, boy. I, what else could anybody ask for, you know? To share a name with someone like that, fantastic, fantastic. I love music as well, so fair play to him. Fair play to him. I'm happy Hang with on. that. What? Did I say Preston City? I meant Preston North End. Apologies to oh. all the Preston fans. I'm sorry just to... Cur- I, I'm disappointed I didn't pick you oh, yeah. up on that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should have, I should have noted that. But yeah, we'll, we'll forgive we'll forgive the early mistakes as long as there's no such transgressions when it comes to debating our wrestling topic today. You know, I, I, I feel so good about tonight. I'm gonna do something I should have done a long time ago. I just hugged it out with the We Hate Cena guy. We're good. We've gone for quite a big one for the first uh, ever episode of The Motion. As you may have seen in news and reports and rumours and speculation, a certain Mr. John Cena is being rumoured to be returning to the WWE product in the next couple of weeks. And so I thought, for our first ever episode of The Motion, it would be good fun to discuss, dissect, deliberate one of the biggest potential transgressions in WWE history. Did WWE make the wrong choice in never turning John Cena heel? Oh, lads, how are we feeling about that topic? That is, it's a meaty one, isn't it? Mm. It's a meaty one. And you know what? I, I know that um, we'll reveal, I'm, I'm guessing in a second, which side myself and Andrew are on. But I know that Mitch said uh, off air that we'll put a bit of a disclaimer saying that this isn't necessarily the opinion of the guys. This is just for the, for the merits of the debate. But... Since kind of researching it and preparing a little bit, 
I now fully agree with my point of view. Mm. So I'm all in. I'm on board mm. with with my with my okay. end of the argument. Yeah, totally. So I'm excited, definitely. Andrew, how are you feeling about the topic? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling I, good. Kind of what you were just saying there. Like um, I didn't necessarily agree with the with the point that I gone with but more research and then getting into things a little bit and thinking about how it could potentially go i was like oh actually you know what i'm a fantastic booker and i want this to happen right now oh it's hot no, i'm only okay. kidding i'm Here kidding i'm Here kidding, I'm kidding. come on i'm getting now. red already i'm getting red already <laughs> so for the purposes of today's debate i will be taking on the role of well i suppose judge jury and executioner uh andrew mm-hmm. you will be our proposer mm which is the person who has suggested this argument, i.e. you are arguing in four that WWE made the wrong choice in never turning John Cena heel. And Jack, you are today's opposer. You will try and convince Andrew and myself and our lovely listeners that WWE's decision was the right one. And Jack, as uh, you rightly pointed out, we were going to add the disclaimer that this is for the merit of debate and not necessarily your uh, opinion, but it seems you have swayed yourself with some research. It looks like we're both very partisan now. It looks like we're <laughs> fighting our corners. I am looking forward to seeing you both turn into wild, feral savages <laughs> through the course of this debate. Uh, a quick uh, career reflection for John Cena, very much within the proxy of heel and face. John debuted in 2002 with the famous ruthless aggression slap on Kurt Angle, very much a... Uh, Babyface at that time. Seemed like WWE didn't really have a lot for him going through 2002. Turned heel with the Doctor of Thugonomics persona at the end of 2002 into early 2003. Big feuds as a heel with the likes of Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, The Undertaker. uh, And eventually turned face in November 2003. And that was kind of it then for John in terms of being established on uh, on the dirty side, on the heel side. Andrew, as our uh, as our proposer, as the individual who believes we should have seen more naughty John, what would your opening argument be? Um, my opening argument would be that there was a lot of potential in Cena to be a heel. In fact, me and Jack on um on a, I think it was on one of our pitches videos, we were talking about uh, John Cena and how we. We kind of view him as a person who doesn't really deviate from from the sort of just the good this good guy persona, this Superman almost. But then we've also seen hints of just a more kind of sinister, sadistic side to him. For example, like uh, his brutal match with JBL at Judgment Day 2005 uh, in the I Quit match. Both men just absolutely beaten, bloody horrible. And there's a moment where John Cena, he's he's got this giant truck exhaust pipe and he's about to shove JBL through this glass, this like glass window type thing with it. And uh, JBL's just like, I quit, I quit, I'm out, I quit no more. And Cena still goes for it and absolutely just decimates him, pushes him straight through it. Also, TLC 2010, when he beats Wade Barrett and then just dumps a huge pile of chairs on top of him after putting like this little table scaffolding thing over him, pulls it down just to solidify the fact that he's absolutely buried Wade Barrett there. And then also again in uh, 2010, uh, in an I Quit match at Over the Limit limit, sorry, with uh, Batista, um, the same thing again. It just doesn't let up. Batista's like, I quit. And then still, no, just throws him off the side of the stage after he's already hit him with an attitude adjustment onto a car, which um, apparently, as Batista says, legitimately actually broke his back too. Oh, so, oh. yeah. And he had to have back surgery and everything for it. So, 
there is there's there's something in there that Cena just kind of feels like he snaps sometimes, but then nothing ever gets capitalized on it. I think a more brutal Cena like that that just has no regard for his for his opponents would be really really cool to see. And I think that could tie in more perhaps have him switch back to a Doctor of Thugonomics type personality and just see him just just do whatever he pleases. I think that would have been really, really fun to see Cena just do what he wants rather than be um, almost a yes man, as I think we kind of sort of view him as these days, which is a bit of a shame, really. I've noticed you've got a pen in your hand there, Andrew, and it's, it's <laughs> filled me with fear. It's absolutely no, it's, filled me with fear. It's fine, Jack, don't worry. I always have a pen. I'm always nervous, but a pen okay. helps me for some reason. Fair enough. This is, this is clearly not Andrew's first <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Jack, it appears Andrew's uh, arguments for a John Cena heel term hinder quite heavily on the creative aspect. Uh, what are your what's your first arguments for WWE being correct in their decisions? Well, I've got um, I've got kind of three points, but should I just sprinkle the later ones in and address the creative one now? Are we doing it like that? Is that the best way to structure it? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Okay. Well, creatively, uh, I would argue that Cena uh, elevated the careers of so many heels at the time. So he had feuds with the likes of Edge, who was kind of his signature. It was like the Joker to his Batman for so many years. Uh, I don't think Edge would have been looked back on as, as nearly as an effective a heel if it wasn't for Cena. CM Punk in the feud that personally got me back into wrestling as well. Even though Punk was like the anti-hero, you still had Cena playing the very straight-laced yes-man, as Andrew said, um, which played off perfectly with Punk. He elevated Kevin Owens from NXT up to the main roster in that excellent trilogy of matches. Even later in his career, um, he elevated AJ Styles as well. Not not that AJ Styles needed elevating, but I guess put on just some incredible matches with him. So I feel like I feel like in keeping Cena as this one constant like hero throughout for so many for like well over a decade, um, nearly two decades. Then I think that uh, it really helped a lot of others on the roster. Uh, and help transform their careers as well. So that would be my reply there. But I do see Andrew's point that um, there were there were a lot of hints of, of a darker side of Cena that just never really got capitalised on. So I think there are three strands to the John Cena face heel turn aspect, and I think we've we've kicked off brilliantly here with the creative side of things. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, we'll also have a look at the business side and also maybe the uh, PR and image of the company as well during this time. But Andrew and Jack have kicked us off brilliantly with creative. And I want to uh, throw to a quote from Jim Cornette speaking on his podcast in February of this year. Jim said, when I first saw John, I thought he was going to be the Ric Flair level of heel for the next 10 years. He had the physique, the athletic ability, he had the promo. He was incredible even then. And he was working as a heel and he got the idea of how to heal and he was a very good one. He was just green and I thought in a few years, if his work kept progressing, you knew he would be determined he was going to make it, but I didn't know he was going to be as a thugonomics guy. That's how he got shortchanged as a wrestler. First of all, he had to basically work the milk toast babyface gimmick for so long. And secondly, as he got over and got to be the guy, they never let him take any chances. Mm-hmm. Andrew, it appears that Jim Cornette, who we know used to uh, run OVW back when John Cena was coming through, seemed to have a, a real picture in his mind that John was going to be WWE's Ric Flair. What are your thoughts on um, that? I mean, obviously we've seen John Cena have multiple title reigns as well. I can see sort of similarities in that. Um, however, I, I think... I'd, 
I mean, obviously when Cena was a heel as well, he he he, he was very good, like like Cornette says in the promos and stuff. But I just can't because we've seen Cena in sort of just like this this face role for so long. I can't see him pulling off. I, this is difficult. I can't see him pulling off the sort of just the the um, arrogance, the pomp, the same sort of aura that Ric Flair carries with him in that sense. Um, although we again we do see stuff like that with the Thugonomic stuff, where he's using his uh, his like his knuckle dusters to like knock opponents out and stuff and things like that. And and like I don't I. I'm not. That's that's really, really. That's a really good question. Um, yeah. I've never really. Uh, well, this. Well, this. This. Oh shit! Sorry. Um, I, I've never really. Go on, I've Jack. never really thought of that either. Like the Ric Flair thing. Mm. I, I feel like nowadays the only heel that Cena could possibly be would be, you know, the kind of heel sometimes who. Johnny Gargano is doing it a little bit on NXT. Mm. The the heel who thinks they're a good guy and yeah. they're very deluded. I feel like Cena doing that would be. He'd be the best of that ever. But that's mm. only because of the. That's only because we've had twenty years of him, you know, as as the ultimate good guy. So yeah, it's a it's a it's an odd one. I've never heard that Cornette quote before. It is very strange. I, I only cite it to start this this element this this side of the discussion off because it appears the uh, from the very outset of John Cena's WWE career, people in higher positions had him pinpointed as that on the on the heel side of the mm. roster rather than as the the big baby face, the big company man that we know he would become. Cena's spoken a bit about potential, you know, about why he didn't turn heel and, and the potential of turning heel. This is from an interview with Chris Van Vliet uh, a little bit earlier this year, talking about Fast and he was doing the promo rounds for Fast and Furious Nine. He was asked if Fast and Furious Nine is the closest fans are ever going to see to a heel turn. He said, "I think this is the beginning to showcase the fact that it's possible." As WWE invests and builds its roster, it has a wealth of talent and truly has many anchors to the ship now, certainly Roman Reigns being a very, very marketable and definitive star. I think the reason for me to not explore that side is because WWE didn't feel confident they had any alternative, and I respect that business choice, I really do. But now with them really laying the foundation for the future, setting up life for the next decade or so, maybe, maybe, I don't know. So... Two elements to that quote there. It appears to me that Cena is one saying WWE wouldn't let him turn heel because of how important he was to the company. And the second being it's not necessarily completely out of the realms of possibility going forward. Let's start with the the first one. A- Andrew, given that you are arguing today that WWE missed mm-hmm. a trick not turning John Cena heel and we should have seen it at some point. Over the course of the last, say, 15 to 20 years, who do you think could have stepped up on the face side and been that that face of the I think looking back over the roster and stuff, I think it was a shame that we never got a Kofi Kingston push as uh, like as 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 earlier because we got it so much later, and I feel like that was such a missed opportunity. Obviously, with the new day, everything elevated that and elevated elevated those three stars into into what they are today. Um, but Kofi Kingston back then was. He was so good. He was IC champion. He was really proving himself on the roster, and I think just just a little a little bit more of a push could have could have just got in there. And the crowd was always so much behind him. And imagine, <coughs> say, ooh, Money in the Bank 2012. Cena's not a part of the of of the match. Say we get Kofi Kingston in there instead, and finally people are starting to really get behind Kofi and believe that he can that he can do this and imagine just Cena coming in and absolutely 
chucking him off the ladder, getting the getting the briefcase, and then them two perhaps feuding. Um, yeah, honestly, I think Kofi. I think WWE missed a trick with Kofi back then. Jack, I know you're arguing the other way, but is there anyone for you that stands out? Well, that's that's sort of my argument. I, I, I would say that um, it's interesting that Cena mentioned uh, anchors, that they've got anchors now in his quote, because I think at the time when Cena was first, ter- first turned face, it was a very uncertain time for WWE. You know, the Attitude Era was fading away or had faded away, um, and they needed a star to carry them through. And I think that... The fact that they just ha- chanced upon this guy who was incredible on the mic and had an incredible connection with the fans, primarily with young fans as well, which is so crucial. I think that they would they would have really put themselves in trouble if they'd turned him heel again. I think that once they had that, they were scared to let it go because if, if they didn't have a star to represent that era, I feel like WWE, I'm not saying it would have gone out of business or anything, but I feel like Cena really kept them relevant during a very uncertain period. And... And again, it was perfect timing for them because there's no question Cena's one of the most famous... He's one of the biggest wrestling stars ever in history. He's up there with the likes of Hogan and The Rock. He's like that. He's one of very few wrestlers to really break through on a mainstream level. Um, and I think that... I don't... I, I don't. It's, it's not so much my argument that they were right in keeping him face all the time, but more that in this, in this specific instance, they kind of had no choice. I feel like they had to keep him face all the time. And to do anything else than that might have been might have been a bit of a crazy move at the time because I don't know if there was anybody who could really have stepped up and been that role. I, I think Jack's raising some mm. interesting points there, Andrew. Because did WWE have those stars? Jack seems to be suggesting uh, suggesting not. And you, you look back through the last fifteen years, and, and certainly there are plenty of uh, characters that Cena has yeah. feuded with that you could see being mm-hmm. top guys but could you ever see them being on, on John Cena's level and I suppose the argument here is maybe that, not that's very true especially sort of back maybe like 2012-ish as well I, I know that John Cena has quoted uh, been quoted saying that 2012 was possibly one of his worst years in wrestling in WWE and at that point, no, because I feel like um, personally m- myself, I dropped off watching wrestling at that point for a little while because I've just felt it was very stale. And, and that was down to the fact that we always saw John Cena in the title picture. We always saw John Cena just being this this good guy. And perhaps, no, we didn't have the stars then, but that's only because nobody was really getting pushed or elevated other than the people that we'd seen countless times beforehand just being placed into the top position over and over again and I think they should have been more obviously Cena elevated a lot of people as Jack was saying as well but they should have been I feel like there should have been more of that for a lot more people back then to really start this switch from sort of the Cena era of stuff into more of a new a new a new era with with new faces and and things like that and i think we're still kind of feeling the ramifications of that now because we're still very much um leaning on a lot of um old talent to carry the company we're discussing a lot here about the the creative elements and why wwe did or didn't make their decisions it's important to recognize that there were plans for a john cena heel turn they were just never Executed. I've got a quote here from former WWE writer Matt McCarthy speaking on the We Watch Wrestling podcast last month. He said, uh, Vince kept trying to figure out how to do a Bret Hart thing where he was a heel in some places, but a baby face in other places. Cena wasn't down for any middle ground. Cena was like, if I'm going heel, I want to go full heel. 
And it did get close enough to the point where I'm sure he still has the gear. Like Cena had gear made for the heel turn. No longer the jorts. I don't know what the gear was, but he had specific gear ready and waiting. So I think that's important to recognize that we got, as fans, we only see what's put in front of us. But behind the scenes, th these plans went so far. WWE nearly pulled that trigger. And for whatever reason, they didn't. I'll, I'll jump in with kind of my final one because it, it's actually fallen really nicely. We've already talked about um, like the kind of the business side of it as well but I'm now going to throw in uh, my least favourite of my three points because it's just so soulless um, but that's basically just looking at it from a business point of view which I hate doing I like to think of myself more as a wrestling like critic rather than a than like an uh, a, an investigator of like the economics of the wrestling business and what was a good business to decide. I'd always rather watch something that entertained me as a fan than something where I thought that's a good business decision but for the purposes of this debate um <laughs> I'll say that, you know, Cena, I, I dread to think how much money they made from John Cena t-shirts and caps and wristbands. Um, he was an absolute merch machine, possibly still is to some degree, I don't really know. Um, and also, and this is, I'm sorry to play this card, Andrew, but also, he made so many kids happy, guys. And can we take that away? Can Damn. we really take that away by Damn. turning him heel? <laughs> no, he just God. made so many kids happy. Think of, wow. think of bad guy Cena, lads. You can't really... <laughs> But yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, he was a he well, was a, a merch machine, and also, you know, kept the kept. Well, I'll I'll make it a slightly more sensible point. He kept the young audience invested at a time mm. when WWE really needed new fans. Mm. So yeah. If 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 you don't mind, Jack, I'd like to separate those two okay. points because I think they're separate uh, conversations to be had there. Let's start with the the business one because Andrew Jack does make a mm. fantastic point. John Cena sat at the top of WWE's merchandise sales for over a decade. Cena uh, was eventually picked by Roman Reigns in the aftermath of Reigns winning the Universal title at SummerSlam 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the emergence of Becky Lynch as the man saw her take, take, uh, take the top spot in early 2019. But before that, for over a decade, John Cena was at the very top of WWE's merchandise sales. Uh, I do have a number somewhere. Oh, in 2014, here's an example. In 2014, following Daniel Bryan stepping away from WWE due to injury and CM Punk leaving the company, Cena's merch sales on their own were worth more than the rest of the roster combined. Now, this is a John Cena in 2014 who would, after that point, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, main event at WrestleMania again. So this was peak John Cena, making more in terms of merch than anyone else on the roster put together. How can you risk that? that's a that's i mean that's a very good that's a very good point there because i mean if things had got a little bit sort of uh stale in terms of uh sales and stuff then i think that is when you would uh you would potentially do something new with it and perhaps even turn him heel but i mean you can't argue with the numbers there that's the thing i, I mean jack's made a very good point in that the if anything, the children are gonna be very happy to have. I mean, you see, you see it in all the in all the pay per views and all the shows. The kids, they're wearing the armbands, the t-shirt, everything. Like he's a very marketable man, and obviously WWE would be fools not to capitalize off that. So, yeah, that's that's another tough one as well because how. Well, what I would say though is, to be fair. Um, should that be important to us? Because I suppose it depends how we look at this debate. If we're looking mm. at it from a business point of view, then then you can't really argue with my point. But if we look at it as wrestling fans, you could potentially say, 
so what? I don't care about Vince McMahon making even more money. It's led to his product becoming stale because it's the same hero and in the mm. same matches again and again. But I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one to argue, isn't it? Because it, the evidence is so in your face. I yeah. guess. Steve, don't you think, don't you feel any, any remorse for turning your back on the millions of fans around the world that have supported you? They're chanting for Rocky. I really don't appreciate the response I'm getting right now. Why in the hell would I feel remorse for anything I've done, Jim? When did Stone Cold ever say, hey, I love to be a hero. I want to be a hero. I want to be these people's hero. When have you ever heard Stone Cold Steve Austin say that? When have you ever heard me say, yeah, I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin and I care about and I love the WWF fans. When have you heard me say that? You've never heard me say that, have you? And you sit there behind your stupid little desk every week and you go, the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake. Hello, Jim. I come out here and I say, DTA, don't trust anybody and especially don't trust Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't feel sorry for one single soul out here in this godforsaken town or in America or anywhere in the damn world. Compare it to perhaps some of the other big heel turns of the past, well, in professional wrestling history. And this is a, a quote from Dave Meltzer in the, in the same article as I got those figures from in 2014. Steve Austin's turn, no matter how entertaining it was, led to huge drops in attendance, ratings and merch sales, and the company never got back to those previous levels. WCW attempted turns with Sting and Goldberg, and they were such flops that they flipped everything back within a few weeks. So, I, I suppose the argument there is, is could WWE have ever warranted taking that risk? And I understand what you're saying, Jack, in terms of, you know, as fans, are we frustrated by what we've seen? Certainly everyone has been to some extent when it comes to John Cena, but if it had gone horrendously wrong, WWE would have lost out in every aspect. Mm. They were, yeah, you, you could definitely say that. Although, personally, I look back on He Lost in quite fondly. I know that it led to a huge downturn in business, but I don't know whether it's just because I, I wasn't, you know, a, an active fan at the time. I was just a little kid enjoying it. I don't know whether I, I just kind of thought, well, that's not my problem. I'm just enjoying He Lost in <laughs> and his antics. But um, I don't know. It's a hard one. Seen as such, like a, such a. Um, a unique case really isn't he because because we've never really we've only seen very few like him when it comes to to moving merch mm. and you know his popularity with with young fans it's, it's a really tough argument to make and, and jack go back to a point that you made earlier going back towards the uh, making kids <laughs> yeah. happy at time of recording john cena has made over 650 make-a-wish visits he has continued to do them during the covid19 pandemic it is the most wishes ever fulfilled by anyone uh, his first was in 2002. I did some rough maths uh, coming into this podcast. 650, over 650 wishes over the last 19 years means John Cena has fulfilled a Make-A-Wish every 10 days over the last 19 years. Oh, wow. I wow. mean, can you, can, can you imagine that not being a thing? How, how can Andrew argue again? This is, this is the thing. Under the bus here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, let's argue against Make-A-Wish. Let's not do that. Um, but um, 
I don't, I don't know if it's a similar. Th- I don't, I'm not sure if it's a similar thing. Obviously, with uh, with with Roman Reigns being heel now, I I think he still does. He still fulfill stuff like that. I'm fairly sure he he does, and he does things for charity and stuff. So it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, I think I think maybe back then it was different, but now I think people can separate sort of the personality from the 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 sort of the in-ring product and stuff which is good and you can still have people fulfilled and, and happy in those sort of roles but but yeah that is a that's a very difficult one to uh, to try and uh, to try and argue against really but I also feel that with with kids I don't know whether this was just what I was like as a kid but I feel like if you're a, a small child and you're a John Cena fan if Cena turns heel I feel like most kids or a lot of them would still keep supporting Cena Mm. it definitely wouldn't lead to it would definitely lead to a drop in merch sales or whatever Mm -hmm. but I feel like the way that kids are they've got their favorites they don't know about you know face heel dynamics and stuff they just want this guy to win and I think if Cena suddenly started being a bad guy I feel like they'd just follow him over especially if they were like getting towards you know they (laughs) I think they might and I think that you know a lot of them especially if they were like getting towards their teens and getting into edgier stuff slightly. Maybe they'd even enjoy it more. I don't know. There is certainly an argument to be made that Cena could have been a, a cool heel, a, a DX level heel, a, a, a Steve Austin heel. He didn't have to be a, a, a heel that was universally hated. Mm-hmm. There could have been that element that we saw from those characters in, in the Attitude Era. And Jack, I think you've hit a, a great nail on the head. As uh, as the kids got older and turned into teenagers, they probably would have enjoyed seeing that side of John Cena even more. Andrew, you're obviously arguing that John Cena should have turned heel at some point. Could you have seen that being the case? Um, I can definitely see that being the case because I was one of the kids that sort of grew up watching John Cena and he was a favourite at the time. And and round about the time I dropped off was round about the time I just thought the product was stale, as I said before, and something something needed something needed changing up. Uh, as we were Again, as we were saying before, there didn't seem to be... The, the 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 stars that we needed because we they were very much reliant on the old guard that we've grown up knowing and when when we've seen these people in the same scenarios over and over again it's just it's 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 not interesting to us so to see something like that to to have seen a change especially against someone like CM Punk who is very much anti establishment as well to see like maybe those two clash in in a way different ideals or something perhaps Cena um, as we were talking before turns into a an, an oblivious heel he doesn't know why the fans are booing him he's, he's given his all to the company and he still doesn't know why nobody likes him and perhaps we see sort of like a change some sort of change there and some sort of like I don't know like he's doing everything that he changes perhaps maybe to uh to, to go against what the audience think about him and we get some sort of like um, some clash of personality between CM Punk's anti-authority stuff and John Cena's like oh well I'm sick of being a yes man kind of thing and, and seeing those two things what? collide would be cool Andrew what's the you'll know this for, for certain what's the the hero called in Ratchet and Clank not Ratchet Ratchet Clank the, the, no, oh no. you mean Captain Quark <laughs> Yes, yes, that's how I yes. see John Cena yeah. as like, yeah, as this like doofy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what he could be potentially. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he could he could be a variety of different heels. Really, mm. I know I'm arguing that they were right in never turning him heel, but if they did, it certainly would have been interesting because he could have been. He's good enough on the mic that he could have been a, all manner of different heels, I suppose. Yeah. With the benefit <laughs> of hindsight, and I don't want to take this conversation too far down the fantasy booking route, but with the benefit of hindsight, knowing that we can see all of John Cena's career behind us, 
Is there a particular point that you look at and go, a John Cena heel turn there would have just been mwah, chef's kiss? Um, like, I think in 2012, as we were talking about before, that being his sort of what Cena himself has called his worst year in the business, I think that would have been a perfect moment for it. You have him lose against, uh, obviously, The Rock at, at WrestleMania 28. You have him get absolutely decimated by Brock Lesnar. Uh, you have him get um, uh, absolutely embarrassed by John Laurinaitis still as well. Just all these things happening. And he, you can see him getting more deflated and a little bit more jaded. And as I was saying previously, he just starts getting sick of the fans for not giving him the respect and stuff that he so thinks he so rightly deserves after everything is poured into this company. And um, I think, again, as I was talking previously, something at Money in the Bank, have him win Money in the Bank in the most heinous way possible. Have him maybe leave the company for a little bit because he's so jaded. Have him come back in that match look like he's going to help someone else win the match, say like a Kofi Kingston, seem as though Cena's realized that, oh, now's the time for me to pass the torch onto someone else to start building bigger stars. Give, give, give someone else on the roster what I've had and I can just like go into the background. If the fans don't want that, that's what I'll do. I'll retreat. And then perhaps I've seen her like try and help Kofi get the briefcase, decides, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Chuck's Kofi off, gets the briefcase for himself, but he's just much more, less animated, more stoic, and he can like walk off into the background and maybe instead of having the cash in at row 1000 fail, perhaps we see him align with a Paul Heyman or something, hit us from left field a little bit and uh, see him just end Punk's reign, his longest reign, have him end that and then just, yeah, just be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, trying to preserve wrestling in its purest form. And this is what fans want. This is what fans of wrestling want. Uh, they don't want someone like Punk to represent the company who literally a year prior walked out with the belt and fans were still cheering him. What's all that about? So, you know, kind of kind of something, something like that is what I imagined. But I think definitely 20, 2012 in, in what he considers his worst year could have just switched something round and made something... Uh, a little bit more more entertaining. And that way, I guess, you push Punk as the biggest face in the company and Cena in more of like a in more of like a heel persona. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Spitballing. <laughs> I thought that was very Thank good. You. Jack, I know you're uh, you very kindly looked at the business and PR side for us and all the wonderful things Cena has done and why WWE should keep him as a face, but Andrew's idea works, doesn't it? I have to agree that Andrew's idea is really good. I, I thought you were going to ask me um, if there's any other place I could see Cena turn heel, potentially. And I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Yeah, I, if, well, no, that... no, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that because I, I don't think I could have picked a better moment than Andrew's. <laughs> oh. I thought it was very well thought out. Um, what, I, what I would say is that, you know, it would have been a phenomenal story. But I feel like had we turned Cena heel, we may have lost some phenomenal stories as well. Mm -hmm. Like, as I previously mentioned, the Owens one, the AJ one. Later on in his career, Cena actually did some of his best, certainly in ring work as well. We would, we would have lost some incredible matches. I just keep thinking of that one against AJ at the 2017 Royal Rumble, which was absolutely so superb. It was amazing. And um, yeah, I, uh, oh, just to, oh, yeah, I can say it. Fine. Um, I was doing a reactions video for that. 
and I compared it to a New Japan sort of match. I was like, oh, this has got a bit of a New Japan vibe. And on camera, Sam openly laughed at me for saying that. And uh, he then cut it out of the video. <laughs> him laughing him laughing at me got cut out of the video because... And I understood... I, in fairness, I understood why he did it because as the match progressed, we could both see that it was building and building, getting better and better and better. And I think he realised that it would have made us look bad if he was like... So I totally get why. I'm not having to go at him, but... In the Observer that week, Melter called it a New Japan style match, and I was fuming because I'd said it first, and I thought I could have, I'd basically, I'd, I'd have taken Melter's job by now if that had been left in the video. Is what I'm saying. But I feel like we would have lost some of those great moments and some great matches as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My job is not to please everybody, and I'm not going to force you to like me. You want to like me? Great. I'll ride with you, and we'll hold this high. If you don't like me, dig in for the long haul, because I'm here. I proved I can talk the talk and walk the walk with the very best. Get used to it. So I want to I want to throw out what I think is a simple question with a lot of connotations. Is there an argument that John Cena was a heel anyway? And I asked that question because of a quote from Do- uh, McCarthy, the, the WWE writer I referenced earlier, talking about turning John Cena heel. He said, there was a point in the discussions where it was like, well, the people who are going to cheer him are going to continue to cheer him. And the people who are going to boo him are just going to keep booing him. We eventually hit the thinking that the most heelish thing that we could do was that he could stay as this white meat, smiling, pure baby face. Is there an argument to be made that, in a way, WWE did the most heelish thing with John Cena by keeping his character the same? I think... That is, that is great. That's, that I love is, the concept yeah. there. I love that. <laughs> I mean, Go that, on, Andrew, sorry. Sorry. Because the people that hated... <laughs> like, that is the most... That's just the most perfect way of, of, of putting it, I think. I mean, what would have happened? What potentially, if they turn Cena heel, do they start cheering for him, and then that kind of just nullifies the heel mm. turn anyway? 
that is a really that's that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, and it's a shame that we obviously we never we never got to to see the uh, the ramifications of that as well because that would have been an interesting thing to look back on. But uh, yeah, oh sorry, Jack, go on. I, I was just saying, like, I got as I mentioned, I got back into wrestling <clears throat> from the CM Punk storyline, and yeah, at the time to me, Cena was the heel. Mm. I hated him. I wanted him to lose. I wanted because I was like seventeen, and I was like, yeah, CM Punk. <laughs> but at the same time, there would have been, I wouldn't have been alone in that. There would have been a lot of people, especially after the pipe bomb promo, who mm. would have seen Cena as standing for everything that that they don't like in wrestling. So yeah. Is John Cena's legacy hindered by the lack of a quote-unquote official heel turn? I would argue, and can I make this kind of my closing point and then I'll throw it to Andrew, right. You can. I would argue that his legacy is the fact that he never turned heel again and is the fact that he was a huge babyface. He's like a Hulk Hogan, a WWF Hulk Hogan, not obviously the the NWO Hulk Hogan. He's like an ultimate hero character in a far purer way than many names on his level. Austin was a heel, Rock was a heel, Cena was a heel, but it's a far smaller part of his overall story than it is for the likes of Rock, Austin, Hogan. And I think that, um, yeah, his legacy will will be as one of wrestling's ultimate good guys. Whether or not you enjoyed it, he's like the shining example of a, of a babyface in WWE. And I think that, um, I think that is kind of his legacy. I don't think it's tarnished. I think it is. It is his legacy. But go ahead. I think you made a very good, a very good point there. That is. Thank you. I also, I, I agree with that. Um, again, I guess. I, yeah, I, I, I really don't. I can't really come back with anything from that because I think you, I think you're absolutely on the ball there. But um, again, maybe perhaps the legacy is marred by the fact that people often sort of think of Cena as someone that's quite quite straight down the road, boring almost as well, which is a shame because of all the incredible things that he's done and all the incredible things that he's done for the company. However, I just think people sometimes just cling on to the fact that it, it is what it is. You, I feel like when someone says you've seen one Cena match, perhaps you've seen them all kind of feeling, and which is a shame because that is not the that's not the case at all. There is phenomenal, phenomenal Cena matches out there mm. that people should definitely watch because he, I think he gets the best out of absolutely everybody he's in the ring with. But um, but yeah, the part of me and part of maybe perhaps it's 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 my generation as well. I think we just look back at certain specific moments in his career and think just that that just didn't work or that wasn't really for me that's what either got me out of wrestling and then it was someone like CM Punk that brought me back into it. And I think that kind of I think that maybe tarnishes it a little bit for him even though that's not necessarily a fair thing to to think about. I think it's led to a a bit of a stereotype of mm. Cena as boring. When you're right, I, if you watch his matches, he's actually very underrated. Mm-hmm. But that public opinion seems to have swayed. Slightly. I think he's yeah. getting his due these days. It's just come ten years after <laughs> yeah. the actual fact. Yeah. <laughs> no, the reaction to Cena now is, and I was thinking about my own personal reaction. I look forward to to seeing John Cena when, when John Cena comes on WWE Raw or SmackDown. Now I've got a, I suppose what I'd call it, an appreciation for everything he's done for the company, mm. and I suppose the knowledge in my head that he's got less matches in front mm. of him. Uh, than behind him so I I almost want to enjoy watching John Cena when he's there now as opposed to 
hating every moment that he's on the telly screen. That's not to say, as you guys rightly touched upon, there weren't times over the last 15 years when I have angrily booed the man. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute final question before we we close uh, close our first ever episode of The Motion. Something, as I touched upon earlier, John Cena has said maybe in terms of a heel turn in his future. Now he's not that uh, pinnacle of WWE. Is that something you would be interested in seeing now? Or has the boat sailed and John Cena should be allowed to be the John Cena we've known and loved slash hated for the last 15 mm. years? That's tricky because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm. The, the, The big reason that I'd try and kind of funnel that into my argument in this debate would be look at somebody like, for example, Mick Foley. I feel like his heel turn in 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 the mid 2000s the one where he was feuding with um oh was it flair no what was it on ecw oh um it was oh who was it i know i can't quite remember either but what is is it around when he was feuding with edge and, and then, then he like kind teamed of with yeah. like oh then i he... now appreciate you because yes mm. yes yeah. and i feel like while that was quite compelling i feel like with foley he was just too likable so it, it i think it fizzled out quite fast mm. and i just didn't want to i, I never really got into it because i didn't want to see him as a bad guy i wanted to cheer mick foley he's this beloved legend and, and i want to it's hard it's unnatural to 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 boo him essentially and i, I worry that that would be the same with cena but I think the strength of it is that Cena could Cena could pull it off probably because he's yeah. just that good on the mic and everything. But I don't know. Foley's good on the mic as well. And it didn't quite click for me. But mm. um, I would say I wouldn't be interested in seeing that. But I'm interested to hear what Andrea because I feel like I could be swayed. But yeah. But yeah, um, I get again. I think as sort of as Mitch touched upon there, but perhaps the boat has sailed. Perhaps maybe it would feel shoehorned in at this point. Now it's been such a such a discussed topic, especially recently as well, with all the sort of all the news coming out that back then there potentially was going to be a heel turn and stuff, and they had all the gear and everything. And and maybe now it would feel a little bit shoehorned in. I don't know if, obviously, with WWE um, really heavily putting marketing from films of, uh, like, the superstars that have been in films, perhaps it would feel like they're trying to shoehorn in some sort of uh, Fast and Furious 9 thing there with him being the um, antagonist in that film. And it just maybe feel not natural. But then we've also got hints of... Where's he been since uh, getting lost in the Firefly Funhouse? Perhaps something has happened in there. He comes back and mm. we can see some sort of element um, just worked into into a storyline there. But um, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure now. I would like to see it. I'm not sure it would have the same impact as maybe it would have had way back when. Um, but I don't think I would like to see it mainly because I would like to see him face somebody like Roman Reigns and then just more just like he's done in the past Mm. as Jack was saying with heels just let him elevate Roman Roman Reigns as a as just this huge dominant heel by absolutely decimating this this legend this Superman that we uh, that we all think is indestructible well at least we agree on that that question yeah (laughs) at least that's what yeah that's fair enough that's good 
that was that was a very nice civilized discussion <laughs> to, to end the first ever episode, guys. I was very impressed. Uh, and Andrew, obviously, you've taken on the stance in this in this first ever episode of the motion as the, the fans' voice, the voice of the fans that wanted mm. to see a John Cena heel turn at some point. Jack has presented some very compelling arguments uh, in terms of the WWE business side, the PR side. Has he been able to convince you at all that, that maybe WWE did do the Jack right thing? Jack is um, a, a much more well-informed man than I am. He's got much better ideas and views and he can convey oh. them much better than I can. And uh, I'm not just saying this because he's there. I can see him, Look at him. on the he's camera. He's elevating me like, I you're like John Cena him. elevating me. No, <laughs> I can see him on the camera. And I'm not just saying it as well, but uh, Jack's had some really, really good points and he's definitely, I think he's definitely swayed me in the way of uh, thinking that, you know what? Yeah, it kind of, I think it was for the best and I think it did work out for WWE as a whole so he's yeah he's he's he swayed me that's that that little boy has swayed me <laughs> jack you you very rightly made the point that it depends on how you look as wwe are you looking at it through the eyes as a, a consumer a fan or are you looking at it from the business and pr side at the end of this conversation where are your thoughts on john cena um when i was researching it as i mentioned earlier I found myself getting swayed more towards the um, the side that they did the right thing in never turning him heel because I felt like they had no choice to. But in this debate with Andrew, he's raised some really, really good points. And I think that I'm, again, back towards the middle because Andrew's kind of helped me remember the kind of creative possibilities that there would have been had they given it a go and turned him heel. So I think that I've gone from being quite hardline, like Cena should always have been a face, to now actually... Um, being a, a little bit more conflicted once again. So, Andrew, I think you're being too modest there. I think you had some really good points as well. That's very kind. Thank you. Well, I'm absolutely delighted that this uh, podcast is ending on a on a very civil note yeah. and not you two rushing to rip each other's throats <laughs> out in the middle of uh, the city centre. Thanks to Mitch. Yeah, thank oh, you so much. Wow. Yeah, thank Straight you, in. It's been good. It's been very good. I'll happily be on more oh, of no, these. Oh, no, my pleasure. And if you've enjoyed this first episode ever of The Motion by Coldholic Wrestling, please let us know on social media. I'm available at Mitch Wadden, Jack. Uh, I'm at Jack the Jobber on Twitter. And I'm at Andrew underscore J-O-H-N-N-N-N. That's four N's. Yes, I know. What a fantastic Twitter handle. And I'm Andrew at Andrew John on Twitter. That's where you can find me. Thank you very much for joining us here on the very first episode of The Motion. We look forward to coming to you with a, another debate in the very near future. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.